best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. Chris, have you ever been punched in the face? Or, and or, have you ever punched someone in the face? Two-parter here. Uh, I don't believe... Uh, it's a yes to either. Not not wow. at least, not in my, uh, I'm trying to think back, you know, like maybe like in middle school or something like that. Mm-hmm. There might there may have been a scuffle here and there, but no, I've, I've never been in any sort of altercation like that. I'm it's, sure there's a lot of people out there that would like to punch me in the face. And trust me, there's a lot of faces I want to punch. Well, it just hasn't, hasn't caught into that. I was going to get into that. I've got, there, that list is probably growing for me you know because i just i just hate michigan so much and i just want him to do so badly uh so the only time i got punched in the face it wasn't like a i was on the i was on the bus so this tells you the age age level here i'm maybe in like fifth grade and there was a kid that was a couple grades below me and he was just like this little this little bratty little kid and he, I, I said something to him, and he kind of bopped me in the nose, dude. I'll never forget it. But he was, like, little. He was, like, three years younger than me, so I couldn't really, like, do anything back, even though I was, like, a small kid, and it wouldn't have been, like, the worst thing in the world if I had tuned him up real quick. But, you know, when you're, like, a fifth or sixth grader, you can't go beating up a second or third grader. Like, you no, just can't do it. That'll destroy your street cred. Yeah, you can't do sure. that. So he popped me in the nose on the bus, and I remember, you know, eyes watered a little bit but that was about it he was little and small and like it it wasn't anything but that's the only time I can think of and then I punched a kid in the jaw like when he wouldn't give me my football back in probably like second or third grade I remember (laughs) again I was super super short and he was doing the whole like holding the ball up ahead above up above his head move and I was like wow just a little quick little quick chin tap yeah dropped my ball picked it up I ran you know, that's about. I've never been in like a full on. We're just we're not fighters. I'm not. A, I'm not know? an angry dude, man. I mean, like, I, and I think I I do think a big big part of that is I wasn't fighting anybody when I was younger. I was so freaking small, dude. And I know like yeah. some people are like, ah, it's not the size of the dog. It's the size you know the size of well, the dog in the fight. Well, it is. It is the size of the dog in the fight. I'm not about to go fight no big old dude when I was yeah. weighing about sixty pounds in sixth grade. Yeah. So I've just never been that kind of guy. I'll. I'll I'll tear someone up with with words, make you feel <laughs> like an idiot. That's what I'm good at. Yeah. But uh, no, man, never really been a fighter. Never That's been a fighter. Right. And here's the deal for people who don't know Chris or haven't. I mean, like Chris is a pretty big dude. He's got the bald head. He's got the beard. He's he's tatted sleeves. It's like, all a, it's all a facade. You think you'd be fighting every weekend, dude? I thought. <laughs> I feel like you know what? It's we're getting pretty close to that point here. It's, it's you know, the, I'm adding to the list on a daily basis. So. Well, there was a. You were about to make a trip to a neighbor's house the last time we talked off. The, I actually off did. The phone. I actually did make the trip oh, to the neighbor's boy. house. We'll talk about that offline. For for people who are wondering, we you know we live in a subdivision and. Uh, you know, we have people, the, the speed limit is 15 miles an hour. I've got two kids that are through here, and we just have people in the subdivision. I'm sure, Terrace. you know, homeowners out there can relate to that if you live in a sub. They're just flying through here. And so, you know, there's there's one neighbor that I guess has been doing it repeatedly and, uh, you know, had to go pay him a visit and just kind of 
calmly explain how how much it would mean to me if he would slow down a little bit. So uh, get them, get the, get those two. <laughs> I got a backup mic right here. Get them ready. Get them tuned up for them. No, that's pretty yeah. funny. Um, yeah, no, never been a. And I think at this point, like if you make it through like high school and college without getting in a little little scrap, yeah, I'm probably good. Like I don't, I think your I don't, scrapping days are over. Yeah, I don't foresee it happening. I guess if something really yeah. popped off with my my wife or my kid, that would be about it. But there's no more, there's no more testosterone flying around. I'm not in the bars drunk. I'm not trying to pick up chicks. Like that, those days yeah. are gone, man. That's how they all start, right? Back yeah. in the day. Yep. So that that those days are behind me, I think. But anyway, pretty funny question there. Last minute threw it up there. Chris had like a, a slightly different approach. It was like a what was it? If it was something I saw on Instagram, it was basically would you, you know, if somebody offered you ten million dollars, would you take it if it meant that <laughs> once a year you would get punched in the face by like an MMA fire fighter at random, so you wouldn't know like you it was didn't coming. know, right? Yeah. So basically, yeah, I'll take the ten million, but now every year for the rest of my life, at some point, this dude's gonna <laughs> show up and and try to punch me in the face. So was it worth it? I... I don't know that I would. I don't. I wouldn't go for. I. I don't know. What I've never been faced that, with ten million dollars though. If ten million dollars was sitting on the table, I think I'd have to take it. What happens if something happens to that guy and he he dies? You're, you're in the clear. Hey man, that's that's the way the cards fall. You know. Okay. So okay. Whether or not you're involved that. in that yeah, is well. is another story. You know. Yeah, I'm not about to kill anybody. Um. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, I said that I would probably do it because if th- that's what led to this question. I said I'd probably do it because like you might get punched in the face anyway, and yeah. and you don't have ten million bucks, but like yeah. to know that it's coming. Live in what a if constant he, state of what fear. What if he? What if he did it on like December thirty first and January first, <laughs> like back to back days, just <laughs> clocked? Like, so let well let, let me let me expand on this a little bit. Is this like a sucker punch or like is he coming up and, and squaring up with you? No, you don't know it's coming. Oh, it's that would be pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. Would, so I mean, would... hell, you could be asleep in bed. Ooh. Yeah. How did Conor McGregor get into my bedroom, bro? Like, what doesn't matter. Doing in there? Doesn't matter. It's time to pay up. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Talk about some Michigan stuff, actually. So today was funny, man. Today took me back to my days of being an everyday recruiting person, which I am not anymore. Uh, and it, it really actually showed me, like, how plugged in you do need to be to be good at covering recruiting because I, I, I'm still covering it. Michigan offers a kid. I follow the kid. I kind of see what they're up to, you know, read their backstory, might reach out here or there, obviously following a little closer with some of the big targets. And Michigan had a big weekend this past weekend, so we kind of jumped into that a little bit. But to, to, to say that I'm covering it every day, the in and outs like I used to, I'm just not. I mean, we're doing, you know, the, the vibe is a little different on the website. My role is different than it was then. So anyway, I put up a story today about how Connor Harrell, who I thought was Michigan's number. No, he was Michigan's number one target at quarterback after Nate Johnson committed to Utah. That he's, you know, he visited Michigan on Monday. He threw for the coaches. He got to know Matt Weiss really well. Things are going awesome. He announces on Twitter that he's going to make a choice on the 4th of July. I'm thinking, like, Michigan's in a good spot. I don't know if they're going to get him, but he's their number one target. He knows that. He just took a visit. He's only taken two other officials. I think I like Michigan's chances here. He didn't tell me one way or the other, yes, it's Michigan, no, it's not. I'm going to look somewhere else. It was all kind of vague. 
So I put a story up real quick this morning about how Michigan's top target at quarterback is closing in on a decision, and then they land a quarterback today, and it's not Connor Harrell. It's like out of left field. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Denegal, who I really hadn't heard a whole lot about. I mean, I had already followed him on Twitter, so I knew a little bit about when he was getting mail from Michigan, but I never, never talked to him, never learned much about him. He shows up in Ann Arbor today. He works out for the coaches. He throws for them. He gets offered. He essentially commits on the spot. So there you go. As a person who never covered recruiting before, um, what do you think about my awesome reporting today of putting up this news about Connor Harrell and then it ends up being a completely different guy, but Michigan now has their quarterback in 2022? Well, I think it's interesting because I, I come at recruiting from the standpoint more of a fan, and we've had this conversation before that – Generally speaking, I don't think the fan base really cares all that much about recruiting. Now there, you know, there's a small segment. It's of a the niche fan base, thing for sure, right? That that are going to hang on every single word. But I think, for the most part, man, people, what happened today and what's kind of played out at that, you know, at the quarterback position for 2022, is why people don't choose to plug into it because there's so many variables, there's so many moving pieces. You're dealing with unpredictable kids that you know, quite frankly, are, are making the biggest, one of the biggest decisions of their lives. And you never know which way it's going to go. Um, and then something like today happens where it, it sort of catches you by surprise. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how I view it. That's that's kind of the way recruiting goes. And I just don't know that, you know, being as plugged in is as advantageous as maybe as it once was, just given how quickly things can change. Um, did have the opportunity. I looked at his film, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I did a little bit of research as soon as I heard his name because I didn't know much about him, anything about him prior to his commitment. And, um, you know, he looks he looks all right. He looks he looks like a solid quarterback. He's not you know he's not one of those uh, dual threat guys. He's not going to mm-hmm. burn you out of the pocket. He's a pocket passer, but he's a big dude, six four. I think two ten, two fifteen. Obviously, he's got room to grow, um, and we'll see. You know, a lot of people are looking at this like they think, why is Michigan even going after a quarterback in twenty twenty two given who they currently have? But you know, Michigan has zero known commodities right mm-hmm. now at the quarterback position, and so until you figure out a lot more about that group in that room, you got to continue to recruit at the position for sure. You you can't skip a cycle. We've seen it before. It's happened. Uh, I yep. believe with Brady Hoke. I think he skipped a year and didn't take a quarterback, and then you're kind of stuck with, you know, one guy gets hurt and transfer or somebody transfers out, and then you're like, oh my God, we don't have it. You know, there's nobody at the position. Yeah to rely on and you don't want to be in that spot and and again with the way transfer quarterbacks jump ship all the time you you know Michigan could be could be rolling in with a guy that's on a different team right now I mean like that's just how that's just kind of how it works but I I agree with you you don't want to skip a cycle you want to get a guy in every class at least one and yeah I mean to say that I'm over the moon about this it would be a lie I mean he he, there's nothing wrong with Jaden Denegal on film he's a big kid like you said six four 210, 215, 220. I even saw him up to 227 or something. Wow, um, okay. You know, depending on where you where you get your info from on that. But big arm, good athlete, not a great athlete. He's not the runner that Connor Harrell is, and certainly not the runner that Nate Johnson is. Um, but I I really liked when I watched this tape. The the thing that stuck out stuck out to me is just he's he just looks really calm. Now again, these are highlights. It's it's every play is a good play, but he just looks. He just looks so calm and comfortable and cool in the pocket, just kind of moving around, nice and deliberate, easy throws, big, strong arm, big kid. I, I, I don't hate the pickup, but again, I mean, this is like a 
you know, this is pretty late in the cycle to be offering a quarterback and then taking his commitment the same day. I mean, like, yeah, that's great that it worked out that way. You know, hopefully the coaches really, really liked what they saw. Obviously, Jaden liked what he saw during his visit and they came together and now Michigan has its guy. But I mean, when you flip it back all the way to a year ago, when quarterback recruiting really picks up, usually it's about two years out from their graduation. That's yeah. when those relationships are developed. They come and work out for the coaches. They really get to know them. They start becoming the face of a class in many cases. I mean, that's how it went with J.J. McCarthy. He was committed to Michigan for almost two years. He was putting in the work to try to get skill guys that he wanted to play with, became the face of that, that class, and, and kind of becomes a leader before he even steps foot on campus. Like, that's that's the more traditional way to do it. Didn't go that way with this with this cycle. And it might go that way again in 2023 because I think Michigan's in a good spot with Dante Moore. So, yeah. you know, we talked about this before when when Nate Johnson picked Utah. We don't know anything about how J.J. McCarthy is going to be in college. Some people think he's amazing. Some people think he's really good. I think he's somewhere in, in the middle of that. I think he's got the potential to be really good. Dante Moore hasn't even started his junior year of high school yet, and he's uncommitted. So I just I just don't know how much of those two things really go into the decision of these kids making you know making their choice. Maybe it did affect Nate Johnson. Maybe it didn't. Obviously, it didn't affect Jaden Denegal because he was on campus for one day, picked up his offer, and committed. So again, uh, I don't think this is a you know change the program type of get but i i don't have a lot of negative things to say about him it's just like when you look at his offer list and how the recruiting process has gone for him even with the school that he's now committed to you know he he wasn't he wasn't option number 1 there's there's no way you can there's yeah. no way you can spin that he was not their first option but he's the guy that they have now and we'll see how that you know how he looks as a senior and uh you know what what his what his prep career ends up looking like i, yeah. I don't know i i just as you said, as a as a I don't want to say lukewarm, but as a fan of of Michigan and someone who doesn't cover recruiting that that closely, I I mean, does it move the needle for you even like at all? No, I mean, you can, is, you can shoot it straight here. Yeah, no, it's it, I would say it's a meh. You know, you you sort of shrug your shoulders and it's kind of like wait and see. We'll see when he gets on campus. We'll see how he does. You know, obviously working through the system. You know, for for fans. To this point, there has been nothing uh, to give anybody confidence that if a quarterback comes to Michigan who needs to develop in certain areas, that they're going to be able to develop in those areas. Um, so, you know, I've got a very specific type of quarterback that I like. Like, I want somebody who is dynamic. I want a playmaker. I want a guy who can, you know, can sling the ball but can also get to the perimeter and burn guys with his legs. I just want, you know, when I look at quarterbacks and I look at, you know, playmakers, I want the guys that can sort of do it all and run around with their hair on fire and just make things happen. You know, almost borderline reckless but not quite to that point. Um, and you're right. He looks like a guy who plays a safe, smart kid, big arm, you know, can do some things, but it's not, you know, this isn't the type of recruit that, um, is going to get anybody excited until he actually does something on the field. And, you know, these guys, sometimes they do that, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. they become that. So I'm not willing to, you know, crap on it too much here early. It's just, I'm going to take the stance of most fans and, you know, prove it, prove it on the field. That's where yep. I'm at with this guy. His other biggest offers, you know, Auburn, Colorado, Michigan State, Georgia, eh, you know, that's that's it. I mean, they're you know, just just into double digit offers, no real powerhouses in there. I know the Georgia offer is there. I wonder, you know, what what you know if that was committable or when when that when that came through from the Bulldogs because obviously they're one of the better teams in the country. But uh, you know, word is that he was 
pretty high on UCLA, threw for them. They didn't offer. I mean, so, like, you know, that's like, you know, I'm going to throw this comment up, and I don't agree with it completely, but, you know, you're never going to win the Big Ten with that kid, and Michigan will be lucky to win nine games this year. I I won't say that, but I will say based on his recruiting profile, the interest that he's getting and how it all came together, it's probably more likely that that it plays out that way. I mean, that that, uh, that then – Rather than him coming in and being all Big Ten or all American worthy, I mean, it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't look yeah. like that right now, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I mean, hopefully he exceeds expectations and has a phenomenal development track and does amazing at Michigan. But right now, right. that's that's not what I would put my money on. So happy for the kid. Glad Michigan does have a quarterback in 2022 right now because it, I was yeah. really beginning to wonder like what the hell what are they going to do now like Nate Johnson's off to Utah it looks like Connor Harrell's going to pick North Carolina in a little bit over a week you know Jay, uh, Justin Martin who they've also offered and we're in on is c- currently committed to Cal I mean like it just yeah. I was really wondering what was going to happen and now we know now we know Jaden Denegal committed earlier today after visiting Michigan and throwing for the coaches picking up the offer there you have it. Uh, I'm going to let you take the wheel on this one because you put up a little article about it, um, probably did a little bit more research and back study on it than I did. But Hunter Dickinson, Devontae Jones looking for I, – I think I'm going to – I don't even know if I – hopefully I don't even screw this part up. But they were looking for an invite to the NBA combine draft combine, and neither of them got it, right? I know Hunter uh, Dickinson did not. I'm not sure about Devontae Jones. I know that Jones has been, you know, by all accounts, balling out and, and really doing some good things, you know, when he participated in the G League event. Um, I know for a fact Dickinson didn't get it, um, and that was what I put up in the piece today. And, you know, the guy, um, he clearly – you know, all of these guys want to go play in the NBA. Like, that's the dream, right? You come to a big program like Michigan, and then the next step is to go to the NBA. Uh, Dickinson's certainly one of those guys who, who has interest in the next level. But I think um, I think he got what he wanted or is getting what he wanted out of this process so far. From everything I've heard, it doesn't sound like he's raised his draft stock at all. He's kind of right where he, he was going into it. Um, tremendous upside, but I think the general consensus is – he could use another year in Ann Arbor to fine tune some things. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I think Dickinson knew that that would probably be the case coming in. He had said that, you know, he, he had done specific things to ensure that he could come back to the university of Michigan if that's what it would take. And it looks like that's where it's headed. And he's coming back to a pretty damn good situation. If you think about it, I mean, you know, the roster is loaded. Juwan Howard's still there and they're going to be a serious title contender. So I think all signs are pointing to having uh, Hunter Dickinson back in Ann Arbor next year. I, I think this both. year. Right? Yeah. I th- yeah. Yep. I, I think both. I mean, D- Dickinson, it's almost a guarantee at this point without, you know, confirming that he didn't get the invite. And then Jones, you know, I mean, it just, it's not like a I don't want to say it too harshly, but he's not he's not an NBA guy for sure. Like any guy who's kind of in that camp, if they have a chance to come back to school, like they probably will or they should, I think, you know, in most cases. But we've talked about this before. You know, all it takes is for one team to fall in love with a guy's game, one one general manager, one front office to say, we see something in that kid and we want him and we're going to let him know and we want him to stay in the draft. I mean, like, that's all it takes. We've seen it in the past with a couple of Michigan guys that a lot of people thought left a little too early. DJ Wilson comes to mind most obviously, but, you know, and then he ended up being, you know, like a top 20 or top 25 pick in the first round. So it happens, but it does sound like Dickinson will will be back after not getting the invite, and I, I think Jones will be too. And I think both of those guys start for Michigan next year. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the kind of the look that it has. Certainly Dickinson, but Jones, 
you know, to come in and kind of replace Mike Smith and maybe do something very similar. Come in as a transfer, adapt his game to what Michigan needs, and get after it. He's a scorer. He can do a lot of things. You know, we saw we saw Mike Smith do the same thing. Came in as a scorer, turned more into a facilitator. And I know he was getting a little bit of a look at the you know the NBA, the Combine, G League, whatever they whatever they called that exact that league where they were practicing and playing against each other. In fact, I saw a clip where. Devonte Jones took took Mike Smith to the rack a couple of times and got a couple buckets over him. So, yeah. you know, Mike Smith was a lot of great things for Michigan. Defender was never really what he hung his hat on. He wasn't a bad defender, but De- Devonte Jones is a is a scorer, and he showed that multiple times in the in that uh, G League exhibition games and a couple of times against Mike Smith. I saw. Yeah. So anyway, there and, you go. And I think what it shows is that you know Michigan fans are excited about this upcoming season and rightfully so, right? Like I said, the roster is stacked. They had that top class that that's coming in. Um, and I think that if nothing else to see these two guys out participating in that G league camp and see what their, you know, what their potential is, what they're capable of, what some of their upside is, what some of the downside is, man, it's really nice. You know, if we didn't have either Jones or, or Dickinson coming this year, we would still have a pretty nice team and, and, you know, one that could presumably make a deep run in the tournament. I think with these two guys coming back, man, it's just I feel like I'm I'm excited for the football season, no <laughs> doubt, but I am certainly more excited for this basketball season than I probably have been for any season in my life. Yeah. I mean they're everything's just heading in the right direction. I mean, you can't point to one area of the basketball program right now and say like, I wish that was like a little bit better. Like you yeah. really you really can't do that. And that's that's incredible. That's incredible for Juwan Howard to have the program there already. I mean, certainly he got he inherited a pretty damn good program. I mean, it was things were humming already, but he, like we've said before, I think he's taken it to another level, especially on the recruiting trail. The culture that was already really good after John Beeline is is even healthier now. I think under Juwan Howard, and it's yeah. I mean. Michigan basketball fans, uh, Michigan fans in general are, I mean, beyond excited. I mean, I don't know how many times you've seen now, like, can we just get to basketball season already? Like, people are really yeah. saying that. It's crazy. That'll fade. That'll fade as August rolls around, and then when the fall, you know, the leaves start changing a little bit, people will be like, all yeah. right, let's do this football thing. Even even if the team's not doing real well, it's, it's still, still Michigan football. football. Yeah. It's still college football. It's still Michigan football. But that basketball program has a lot of people in Ann Arbor excited, especially if those two guys come back. Hunter Dickinson and Devontae Jones, which it looks like they will. All right, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one again, too. You put up a story about this, um, the details of which uh, just another not good look for Michigan and for the people involved in this whole thing. Um, U of M made an offer, you know, kind of a settlement type of case thing. Some numbers were thrown out there to the survivors of Dr. Anderson. And what happened? Well, so I I had read um, in an article by John John Bacon. Do you say the U and John U Bacon's name, or do you just say John Bacon? I'm gonna go with John Bacon because I feel like John U Bacon just sounds weird to say. Yeah, I don't think know? I would say it out loud, even though that's like his <laughs> official name on his Twitter and like his right. author, you know, when he authors books, whatever. So John put together an article, um, and you know he had said that his sources had had mentioned that you know Michigan was offering you know a payout or a settlement. Um, to the tune of what ninety million dollars, um, which essentially equated to a hundred million dollars per survivor. I guess hundred thousand or a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Excuse me. That's that's come forward, 
and um, and that it was rejected by the representation of these players. And I reached out to one um, earlier this afternoon just to sort of say, you know, hey, is, is this something that happened? Did you hear from Michigan? Uh, was able to confirm that that did happen. And basically what I was told is, you know, it feels like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, particularly given how – what's the word I'm, uh, I'm looking for here? I guess just how – uninterested Michigan has seemed to be in terms of like how they're going to resolve it or, you know, how they, how they address the people that have gone through this. And so I think if, if Michigan was hoping that this offer was going to make this thing go away, Mm -hmm. I can tell you based on the conversation I had today, uh, we're not anywhere near having this go away. And, and in fact, the offer was a bit of an insult. Yeah. I mean, the numbers of the people involved are so much higher than you know, some of the other cases we've seen at Penn State, um, yeah, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio, Ohio State. You, I mean, there's there's more and more schools that you can rattle off, but some of the ones, obviously closer to home and more recent, Penn State, Michigan State, the numbers of victims affected are way higher with Michigan, and that payout is way lower. It's it's like you said, it's a slap in the face. If those were the people who are you know the people involved, when they you just you just look at how it's played out in other instances. It's like they don't care. They really, they right. really don't care. They just want this. They're not saying anything about it. They're letting prominent people in the university run around and say whatever they want about us. And then they they bring us this offer that pales in comparison to some of the other settlements in some of these other cases. Now, you know, people are probably going to say that this makes it look more like a money grab. Well, they were offered money and they didn't take it. They want more. Well, they should get more because right. it's it's more people. It was horrible. It went on for forty years. And Michigan has essentially done nothing about it since this all started happening. You know, the, the Wilmer Hale report is, is, is one thing, I guess, but from what we've heard, even that is extensive as it seemed on the surface, the 240 pages and all the stuff yeah. that was in there, the people who either were a part of it as anonymous people or weren't even a part of it in the first place, they didn't really dig that thing. They didn't, they didn't really dig the Wilmer Hale report and they didn't think it did they didn't. They thought it was a huge disservice to what actually went on and what they want to see happen. So, yeah, yeah it's just not a. It's just not a good look. Um, that it was. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this yet, but publicly now it looks like Michigan has tried to cover it up, tried to get past it, tried to move on as quickly as possible without really doing anything, and yeah. they got shot down. That's, and, so that's a that's a bad look. And let's be clear that you know, yes, there was an offer that was made, um, you know, uh, monetary, but that's not all these guys are looking for. And and in particular, John Vaughn, when he was at that press conference near Michigan stadium was very clear what, what he wanted to see. And that was, you know, the Michigan university of Michigan, the NCA, the big 10 all coming together, starting a nonprofit group, you know, or, or giving the seed money for a nonprofit group that yeah. could look into things like this. So this is bigger than a, than just a, you know, a settlement, a financial payout. These guys want to see that not only does the University of Michigan get it, but that the NCAA gets it. And we've seen enough of these stories pop out now over the course of time to, to know that there is a serious issue that goes on at the collegiate level, one that clearly the NCAA isn't equipped to handle, the universities aren't equipped to handle. And so we've really, I, you know, I say we, but I think I say we as human beings, We've got to take a look at what goes on in college and how 
you know, how the environment contributes to these things, not just happening, but happening over a long period of time and being covered up. And that's something that these guys are certainly interested in, in as well. So it's not just about a financial settlement. They, they really want to see some legitimate change. John Vaughn called it an epidemic. He called, yeah. he called the, you know, the frequency of these, the, the long running, you know, length of time that a lot of them occur, you know, especially, you know, Michigan, you're talking 37 to 40 some odd years, how many people, the enablers, the institutional protection. It's just like, I mean, I, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with him using a word like epidemic because it's, it's, it's happened so often. Yeah. And if it's come to the light this many times, you know that there's some out there where not, like they still haven't said anything wherever, you know, wherever they occurred, however it happened, whoever was behind them. And they, and you may never hear about it. I mean, that's just yeah. the fact of the matter with these types of things. They're, they're, it, it's, it, it, we're getting back into the same old argument. There's never going to be physical evidence or proof or video record. Like they happen behind closed doors, and that's why these people are able to do what they do for so long. Yeah. These predators. So, I, it, it's a strong word that John used. And I, but when you when you really look at what he's talking about, like I said, the the number of occurrences, the lo- the longevity of these cases, the amount of victims, and the enabling and the protection that seems to happen. It's, it's a problem. It's obviously a very real problem. Yeah, it, it, it is a real problem. And I can tell you that I think there's a sense among, you know, some of the survivors that, you know, they hate that the focus has, has, you know, zeroed in on Bo Schembechler. And, and we know why that is, right? One of the most recognized, if not the most recognizable figure in, you know, in, in Michigan sports history. Um, obviously, he's got the statue, the, you know, the sayings all over the building. Um, but what's happened is that because Bo Schembechler is a part of the conversation, it's really taken away from what actually occurred. And it's now become an us, you know, a, a survivors versus Bo Schembechler sort of argument. And I think it's really mm-hmm. robbed a lot of these survivors of the support that they deserve from the Michigan, the University of Michigan community and family. I mean, we have seen hundreds of people, you know, sign their name to a letter, like coming to the defense of one man. But we really haven't seen the Michigan community rally around these guys mm-hmm. the same way that they have Bo Schembechler. And I just, I think it's a shame because if Bo Schembechler wasn't part of the equation, and he certainly is part of the equation, you know, he, he's he's not the biggest part, he's not the whole part, but he is a part of it. You know, Happened if he wasn't, his watch. You right. Can't, you can't correct. change that. You yep. can't change that. But the fact that he is is now a part of this story, I think has really taken away um, from the support that these guys rightfully deserve. And, and I think that that's a shame. Did you read the, did you read John Bacon's entire excerpt? I mean, it was long. Yeah. I, I read through, you know, I, I, I went through it quickly, but I read through quite a bit I, of it. I kind of did the same thing. I know John Bacon, not well, but I've, I've spent some time with him. We've talked. I know he knows my, my former coworkers at the Wolverine pretty well. And so I've been, I've been around him and in the same circle as him before. And we've communicated I like John a lot. I really do. I think he's another, and, and I think his, his article that he put out was well-written. It was well thought out. He's obviously an extremely bright dude. He puts his words to paper as well as anybody that I've read. I'm not a huge reader. I'll admit that, but I've read some of his stuff and I like his stuff. I still think he's too close to it. I, I just, yeah. I just still think he's too close to the whole situation to really have an opinion. And, it, and he, he wasn't that opinionated. I mean, that's kind of like his, his thing a little bit. What's he's, he doesn't want to step out on a limb too much, but like, Correct. I still, I still think 
anybody who's that close to it, like John Bacon, like Jim Brandstad, or like the like, just you don't just sit this one out for a little bit. I, I just yeah. don't think that if you're that close to somebody, and he, I mean, he mentioned it multiple times. I spent all this time with him. I wrote this book yeah. about him. He sent me this box of letters. We did this. We did that. Like you saying all that right there means you you shouldn't have an opinion because you just you can't you can't have an unbiased look at something like this when you know somebody like that yeah i i mean i i agree to an extent i thought i thought one of the things that he did really well was for somebody who is close to the situation and spent a considerable amount of time with bo schembechler out of anybody who has had a similar experience or is that close with Bo Schembechler? I know where you're going already. I yeah. haven't heard anybody approach it with this, you know, with a level head and say, Hey, look, it's possible this happened. Yep. And I have to acknowledge that. And I think for somebody like John Bacon, who you're right, spent time with Bo Schembechler was close to him. I think it's comforting, at least from, from my standpoint to hear people, you know, approach it with like a level head and say, look, I thought he was a good guy. We spent a lot of time together, but honestly, I don't know. There's a lot of smoke there, and clearly some things happened. And, uh, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, it's good. And more people like that I would encourage to come forward because the the mouthpiece for the defense of Bo Schembechler is like, yeah, 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 we feel bad for the victims. But – and then this this just long, drawn-out yeah. about how good of a guy Bo Schembechler was. Yeah, so I, I agree. I mean, I thought John – he at least put in there, like, that the that this was possible. He still didn't really – he didn't, like, stake a claim. He still didn't, like, definitively say Bo knew and yeah. that this was really bad and it looks bad on him. I mean, he might, he might have got into that it looks bad on him because it was his watch. And, you know, he, he certainly knows about the quotes that Bo used to have. Some of them were in there about, yeah. you know, if you're the leader and you do this and you do that, you've got to be – you've got to take responsibility for all of that stuff. So – it was it was close. It was close to being, yeah. you know, a prominent person who knows the situation and knew Bo and is still around and still involved in the media, taking a stance. But it wasn't it wasn't quite there. Put it, it this way: if if Brandstatter had said something to the effect of what Bacon said in his write up when yeah. he was on the radio, it wouldn't have been news, not to the extent that it was, and it right. wouldn't have the tone that it had. Yeah. So I just think, you know, even if you're a bow defender, I hate that we even have to, like, have bow defenders right, in this right. conversation. Like, saying that is weird. But if you're somebody who, you know, is it finds it hard to believe that, you know, Bo may have known – you know, listen to guys like Bacon who were were probably closer to him than you were, spent more time with him than you did. Yeah, no and doubt about they, it. they have the ability to acknowledge that, hey, you know, there's there's always things you don't know and anything is possible. And I think what Bacon did at the end was, you know, the right thing to do. No matter where you stand on this issue, it's clear that there was a massive institutional failure, mm-hmm. that Bo Schembechler was a part of that, and a lot of other people were a part of that. And the shame in this whole thing is it led to what it led to. And 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 that's when I go back and say, I almost wish Bo Schembechler wasn't a part of the conversation because I feel like it's really holding things up, um, and it's it is creating this rift within the fan base that really we should be rallying behind these guys coming forward and giving them our full support, um, and and you know doing whatever we can to help them get whatever it is they want. Yeah, fan base, alumni, former players, regents. Yeah. I mean. It, former coaches, there's there's a spike. There's this, you know, we talked about it before. The names on the list say something, and some of the names missing from the list say something, and and so automatically it's like those those two groups either 
aren't seeing eye to eye publicly or behind closed doors. They're having different conversations or behind closed doors. They're not having conversations at all, which isn't good. It's like, it's, it's bad. It's, it's a bad, it's a bad situation right now because of, like you said, it's been, it's turned into more like football bow and like, how how could you, and how could you not? And you didn't know him. I did. And that's not really what it should have been about ever. And I've, I said that to both John and Chuck, when we talked to them, like, it's so weird that this has turned in, turned into like team bow versus team victims. Right. It's just that's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Yeah, where the support is and where it's not and vice versa and it has it's driven a spike. It's created a rift and we're, you know, we're now a month to the day away from Big 10 Media Days and a couple of months a couple of months and a half away from from the start of the football season and like you said it's it's not going anywhere. And Michigan no. tried to, you know, tried to put a band-aid on it. Here's some money. No thanks. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep this mediation going. Let's see what else is said. Let's see who else comes forward. Uh, it's not going anywhere, man. But who is going no. anywhere? Who is going somewhere is me because I'm running out of daylight. You talked about you <laughs> Dude, talked about getting, this creepy room before. It's getting real dark behind you, man. I didn't want to say anything, but it looks <sighs> like uh, you know. I don't know. It looks like the darkness is setting in. Yeah, it's coming in quick. I'm, I'm, I've got the window, but you know we're approaching nine o'clock here. Man, yeah. and the days are already getting shorter, dude. How about that, right? June 21st is the longest I know. Day. I know you're out of state right now, but I'm telling you, for anybody listening that's been in Michigan, how great has the last two days been? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I've heard there, it's is, been a, nice, there huh? is a fall feel in the air, and it's got, like, you know, all of those feelings are, are starting to come rushing in. And I know we've got a ways yet. I was going to say, uh, let's not do that just yet. I mean, yeah, my birthday's coming up. That's usually it was like, like a, you, know, you know, it's it was like a sampler, vibe. a little sampler platter of, of okay. what's coming. You know, there was a there was a tint of it in the air and and, you know it felt nice i'd like to enjoy the rest of summer but uh i'm ready for fall there you have it there you have it thanks to everybody for listening a little shorter episode tonight as i am uh still currently at my in-laws we're getting ready to hit the road to head back to michigan tomorrow so got some packing up to do tonight and getting ready for that like i said i'm losing daylight i don't know if there's a whole lot else to talk about at this point either i mean there there is we we missed the day earlier this week with the weirdness going on around here with my trip and people that we're seeing and plans. And my son's been sleeping like a maniac because he's not in his own room. And he's, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir for anybody out there who has kids. I know Chris certainly can, can empathize with what I'm doing. So anyway, appreciate you guys listening. We'll try to be back again on Friday. We'll see what happens between now and then. And uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, dude, I, I will say this. I will say this. We talked about how much we're enjoying these, even when we do have to talk about, a rather unfortunate topic i think every every time that we i mean you just mentioned it the sampler platter every time we get to talk a little bit more about football you know it was recruiting get today the the uh the big visits are happening i mean before long high school football is going to be practicing we're gonna it's just gonna get i hope i think i feel like it's going to get more and more enjoyable we will continue to talk about this robert anderson thing whenever it's appropriate whenever we need to but i'm with you man it's coming. It's coming, yeah. and I feel pretty good about that. So. 72 days, 3 hours, 4 minutes, and 22 seconds. Is that what it, is that for Michigan or college football in general? That's for kickoff, Michigan. Wow, 72. Game day. 72, 72 days, 3 hours, 4 minutes, and 10 seconds. I think it's less than I would have thought. We will leave Did you, you know on. how fast 72 days that, goes by? Yeah, that's not I would have thought. I mean, I guess that was like a month ago. I was thinking, like, all right, 100 days, you know? So, yeah, yeah man, there it is. It's coming. There it is. All right, we'll leave you with that. We'll be back on Friday. Thank you.